You okay, Mom? What? Is there something on your mind? Is there something on your mind? It just seems like there might be something you want to say. Yeah. Like what? I mean, why would I want to say something so I could watch you sneer at me? Sneer at you? I don't ever sneer at you. Oh, sweetie, you don't have to. You get your point across. Okay, so fine. Then say what you want to say then. Peter. I don't want to say anything. I've tried saying Okay, things. so try again. Release yourself. Oh, release you, you mean? Yeah, fine. Release me. Just say it. Just fucking say it. Don't you swear at me, you little shit. Don't you ever raise your voice at me. I am your mother. Do you understand? All I do is worry and slave and defend you. And all I get back is that fucking face on your face. So full of disdain and resentment and always so annoyed. Well, now your sister is dead. And I know you miss her. And I know it was an accident. And I know you're in pain. And I wish I could take that away for you. I wish I could shield you from the knowledge that you did what you did. But your sister is dead. She is gone forever. And what a waste. If it could have maybe brought us together or something. If you could have just said, I'm sorry, or faced up to what happened. Maybe, Pam, we could do something with this. But you can't take responsibility for anything. So now I can't accept. And I can't forgive. Because... Because nobody admits anything they've done! You are listening to They Must Be Destroyed On Sight. The following podcast contains adult language, adult situations, and spoilers for the movies discussed occur often. You've been warned. Now, take it away, Dr. Rausch. They must be destroyed on sight! Welcome back. It is They Must Be Destroyed on Site, episode 270. And I am your host, Lee. A shrine to all the terrible things in the world, Russell. And, (laughs) (laughs) And I'm joined by my co hostess with the mostest, Lee. Touched and probably a little suspicious, Hardy. How are you doing, man? Yeah, I would say I'm suspicious. I'd yeah. be suspicious. You would be suspicious. I got my little candle out right now. Mm, it's Halloween. It's Halloween. When this, gotta celebrate uh, it. When this episode... Well, I know, actually, it's technically Halloween where I am anyway right now. It's Halloween in about half an hour, but close mm-hmm. enough. And we're doing a Halloween episode. We're doing an episode for Halloween. Mm-hmm. Ending our horror movie month extravaganza. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, hereditary. Not, not as... Uh, not as fun as the uh, Tales from the Crypt stuff and Brain Scan and definitely a little bit more serious. But um, it's one we wanted to do for a while. So uh, gave Lee a chance to finally program it for Halloween. And that's what we're doing. So, yeah. Yeah. I said in uh, December last year, 
no, not December, January last this year that I wanted to do Hereditary. And I remember even like being like, no, no, can't talk about it. We have to do an episode about it because like mm-hmm. it's one that we both really enjoyed. Yeah, so. well, enjoyed, quote unquote. Uh, <laughs> we both really liked the movie, but it's it's not a movie that's uh, necessarily enjoyable for most <laughs> of its runtime. Um, unless you're a real sick fuck. But yeah. We can move on to what we've watched in the last little while first, though, and uh, I'll throw over to you. I went and did my traditional, because we were getting close to Halloween. Uh, mm-hmm. I watched Trick or Treat the other night. Mm-hmm. You know, everyone knows what Trick or Treat is. Yeah, uh, the, uh, the anthology film from a few years back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I enjoy it because it's... Um, it doesn't take itself too seriously, but it does a little bit serious. Mm-hmm. So it is a, a goofy horror movie, but with some tones of seriousness to it. So I just appreciate it. I like the whole different stories that just kind of like collide together by the end where you, yeah. you kind of meet and see everybody and you're like, Oh, Hey, that happened. Oh, now I understand. Yeah. So, um, I like it. I have my Sam light in my living room. <laughs> so I, I enjoy, I enjoy that movie. Yeah. Yeah. Anything else? That's it. I didn't have any time. <laughs> yeah, you've been very busy lately. I've been so busy. So it's been yeah, crazy. Um, I have two things I'll mention. Um, uh, first, before I mention uh, what I've watched uh, recently, uh, I'll just uh, also mention a uh, recent appearance on uh, my friend and co-host on the uh, Last Call at Torchies podcast, uh, Cameron Slynn, his show Cinema Degeneration. I showed up on that with uh, our other co-host at Last Call at Torchies, Gary Hill. And uh, he's doing uh, slasher movies that didn't have sequels. Uh, he's doing a whole little series on that. And we did The House on Sorority Row from 1982, which is a uh, under-talked about slasher film. Pretty damn good. It's It's got some interesting uh, things to it that are, you know, a little, makes it a little bit unique in the, in the slasher genre. So um, if you're interested in hearing that, uh, I will have the link down in the show notes so you can check that out. Okay. Um, Mm. Yeah, as for the stuff I've watched recently, I'll just I've watched a ton of shit, but I'll just mention two things here. So uh, I watched a documentary the other day on uh, director Lucio Fulci. It's called Fulci for Fake, and it's okay. It's it's not a bad documentary. Um, I know you're not super familiar with his stuff. Like we watched Host by the Cemetery together, and you weren't. A big fan of that film but he has done a lot of really excellent films ones that i think even you would like and it's not a bad documentary it kind of covers stuff that everyone already kind of knows about him that's kind of the biggest problem about it and it doesn't really get any new insights about him and i don't feel like even newbies are going to learn too much from it that's the only problem but i mean it's still a really well done documentary and has a neat initial premise because it's like the, the guy doing interviews with all these people who are either surviving family or friends or coworkers or whatever, the guy doing the interviews, he's the premises he's studying to play Lucio Fulci. And, and like the beginning of the do- documentary is him actually like applying. He's got the makeup applied to make himself look like Fulci and he's tearing it off. And they, they would try to do something interesting with that, but they never really went um. deep into it. So like I was, I was thinking, okay, it's going to be you know more his story and how he, his opinion of Fulci changes as he talks to these different people and stuff, and it kind of goes there, but it never really fully comes together. But it's it's still enjoyable enough. Um, 
so yeah uh that's on uh, shutter right now so uh, if people want to check that out and one of the uh movies recently i did for uh, a movie night show our mutual friends and sometimes lee gets to join but usually she doesn't because she's working and and also she just she just she just hates all of her mutual friends as well because you know no let's see now Oh, hey, let's do a movie night on the night that you are probably the most busy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But um, so we did do one last night and we just did Halloween and Halloween 2. Everyone knows those movies. But uh, a week ago or so, we did uh, Demonoid Messenger of Death, which is an interesting little uh, oddball film from the 80s. Uh, it's got Samantha Egger in it, who was, you know, she's kind of famous for being like, award-winning and Academy Award-nominated actress who started, like, not necessarily slumming it, but doing a lot of horror and stuff in, the in like, the late 70s and the 80s. Like, she was in David Cronenberg's The Brood, and she was in the uh, Canadian slasher film um, Curtains and uh, some other stuff. And she's, like, the, the thing about her is, like, she's a very big actress like she'll she'll take broad strokes she's almost kind of like a in some ways like a female nicholas cage before nicholas cage was a thing um because she'll she'll give it her all and she does in this and this is this movie is about a killer hand it's like this demonic hand that will go around possessing people when it's not detached and killing people and it's got plenty of gore it makes no sense but it's it's fun as fuck and uh it was a pretty big hit for a movie night so it was a lot of fun but uh yeah that's that's all i gotta really yeah that's all i gotta mention um that's all i got (laughs) mm -hmm. i had one movie you had three so and plus you could technically measure the other two movies that you watched on movie night the last week too yeah we did yeah we did blade and what was the other one we did um did you invasion the body snatchers yeah invasion the body snatchers that's right i said i missed that one that one's a really good one yeah yeah we did a we did a triple feature that night. It was like I had two movies lined up and then they were all still up and they're like, well, let's just watch Blade or something because half of them hadn't seen that. And I was like, okay. Well, look at you. Mm. Well, I didn't them to all sorts of movies. Yeah. Well, I didn't, I didn't stream Blade. I think, um, I think our friend Kerry got a copy of it like super quick because he just pirates shit with his fast ass VPNs and shit. So, uh, yeah. Whatever. Very cool. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so we're going to take a quick break and uh, we're going to come back. And I don't know about you, Lee, but I think. We got this, man. We got this by the ass. Definitely. You ungodly warlock. Clytus, I'm bored. What plaything can you offer me today? An obscure body in the SK system, Your Majesty. The inhabitants refer to it as the planet Earth. How peaceful it looks. Most effective, Your Majesty. We'll destroy this Earth. Destroy it utterly. Send Rick and Danny in wool rocket Ajax. So, just destroy it? That's what Ming said. Don't you ever listen? Well, there's no arguing with Ming. Helming. Wait! You see those transmissions on the visual screen? Crow? Nightmare on Elm Street? Chud 2? Black Belt Jones? Nightbreed? What's a critter? Oh, I've seen those things. Flash? 
I guess we could wait a while before the destruction. Yeah, and watch the movies. And talk about them. The Helming Palawa. Disobedience to Ming. For now. You can find us at Legion Podcast. You can find us on Facebook. iTunes. We're on Twitter. We're on Instagram. At www. You know what? Just Google it for yourself. Just Google it, you bastages. Helming. Breaking two? Electric Boogaloo? Samurai Cop? Army of Darkness? Flash Dance? <laughs> <laughs> we might destroy the planet if it's Flash Dance. You ungodly warlock. Hereditary 2018, we do have a trailer. Gonna play that now. (sighs) 
Come on, Peter. Yes, you sue. It's heartening to see so many strange new faces here today. I know my mom would be very touched and probably a little suspicious. My mother was a very secretive and private woman. It's grandma. You know you were her favorite, right? Even when you were a little baby, she wouldn't let me feed you because she needed to feed you. She was a very difficult woman, which maybe explains me. I recognize you from your mother. What? Sometimes I swear I can feel them in the room. She isn't gone. She had private rituals, private friends. Who's gonna take care of me? You don't think I'm gonna take care of you? But when you die. She wasn't altogether there. At the end. Dad, I don't like this. What's happening? Peter! Don't you ever raise your voice to me. I am your mother. Raise your mom. Mom, what's happening? I just don't want to put any more stress on my family. Okay, and this is written and directed by Ari Aster, who, uh, did Midsummer the next year, and that was also a big horror hit for him. Alex Wolf was Peter, not too familiar with all of his credits. I have seen My Friend Dahmer, which was a, I, I guess there's a new Jeffrey Dahmer series or something on Netflix or something like that, but uh, that was a movie from a couple years back, back that was uh, fairly popular. Uh, he's in the two new Jumanji films, Welcome to the Jungle and The Next Level. Uh, I don't know. Um, I like those movies. Do you? Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I've never I've never seen them, so I, I don't know. I just enjoy the... Um, well, first of all, like, just the visual, because it's really beautiful to watch. Like, it's a beautiful movie to watch. But it's just the campy, like, over-the-top fun movie that um, obviously is based off the original Jumanji games. Or, mm. or, sorry, original Jumanji movie. Right. They have what... Um, the Rock, Karen Jillian, and um, Jack Black in them, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and he's yeah, also- and they have uh, what's his face, Kevin? Uh, is it Kevin? No. Uh, whatever they, the comedian, the short comedian, the short black comedian. Oh, um, I know, I know who you're talking about. Um, Kevin James? No, that's that's the that's Paul Blart, my mall cop. Um, <laughs> never mind. Um, that guy. <laughs> that guy, yeah. Uh, he was also in The Sitter, which I do remember uh, that was a uh, Jonah Hill comedy. Um, it was like after... Uh, God, I'm not remembering movies at all. I'm, I'm just going to move on. Um, we have Gabriel You're Byrne. blanking tonight. I am blanking, Please. yeah. I, got, I don't know. Some, something You're threw supposed me- to be the knowledgeable one. I'm just supposed to make like the commentary after. I don't, something like, threw me off. I don't know why? what's going on. Um, maybe it's a 
decades-long curse finally coming to fruition. We have Gabriel Byrne as Steve, and uh, he's most known for Miller's Crossing and the usual usual suspects. Uh, Tony Collette here acting up a storm as Annie. We covered her in uh, Velvet Goldmine and uh, Knives Out, but uh, she's also in stuff like The Sixth Sense, Little Miss Sunshine, The Fright Night remake, which actually isn't that bad. Um, Nightmare Alley, which I haven't seen yet, but I want to see that uh, Guillermo del Toro film um, that just came out like this year or last year, something like that. And um, she's in all kinds of other great stuff, too. Uh, I, I was actually having trouble like digging through her uh, fucking filmography and stuff now because IMDb has changed over a little bit. Mm-hmm. And so now they uh, it's probably a setting that I need to fucking hit, but they grouped up all the TV and movie credits again. And it's like, okay. Uh, oh, no. Yeah, it's pissing me off. Um, and we got Millie Shapiro as Charlie. Christy Summer Hayes as Charlie's teacher. And Millie Shapiro as Charlie. She's only got like one or two other credits uh, so far. I, I assume she's probably like doing schooling or something like that. Not acting is a lot because she's still a young kid, you know? Yeah. So. Well, she's 20. Is she 20 now? She's oh, 20. Okay. Yeah. So she was, I think she was like, what, 16 when she, no, yeah, 16 when she did this movie. Okay. Okay. Um, but I, I would assume she's probably doing schooling or something like that. Um, and uh, we got Morgan Lund as Mr. Davies, Mallory Betchel as Bridget, and Jake Brown as Brendan. We have a synopsis here from Nick Reganis on IMDb. It says, as a miniature artist, uh, Annie Graham. <laughs> that, that that could mean she's just a miniature person who's an artist. I don't know. Um, <laughs> I'm a miniature artist. <laughs> yeah. As a miniature artist, Annie Graham and her family prepare for her mother's funeral. The unbearably complex and cryptic septuagenarian Ellen Lay, unsettling occurrences and palpable spiritual manifestations start in, uh, nestling in the secluded house's dark corners. A thick veil of grief and guilt and a sinfully Pleasant sense of relief increasingly shroud the already troubled mother. The mounting distress of Annie's 13-year-old daughter, Charlie, becomes evident, and her older brother, Peter, begins to feel the relentless anguish of culpability. Now, little by little, a sinister dark presence robs Annie of her free will, demanding a cruel sacrifice in exchange for glorious rewards. Will the Grams ever shake off the macabre connection to the unseen realm, especially when evil seems to be Hereditary. Oh, oh, nice job. The movie. Yeah, this this guy really wants the fucking back of the box or the back of the DVD fucking thing. Back of the Blu-ray. Black Come of the, on. I know. I'm even. I'm. I'm still. I still sound super old. Um, back of the Betamax. <laughs> <laughs> um. Yeah. So I'll throw over to you. Firstly, uh, give me your sort of general thoughts on this. So the first thing I want to comment about, um, the fact that you have uh, John Cena following your Twitter. <laughs> oh, yeah. I forgot to mention that. Yeah. Yeah. I, I meant to mention it earlier, but hmm. uh, I was showing people today. I was like, this is pretty cool. This is this is pretty cool. I don't, like, I don't know if he's listening. Yeah, <laughs> I don't, I don't know if it's just one of those like happens to be accidentally followed you. But. Maybe it is. Uh, maybe uh, I mean Elon Musk took over Twitter. Maybe something weird happened, and I don't know. I don't. I, I have no idea because I don't follow John Cena, uh, so I, I have no idea why he's following me. 
Um, I didn't even go to go back to check and see if he's still following me or if he realized his mistake. But you know, um, hi John, <laughs> if you're listening. <laughs> <laughs> We appreciate the follow. Yeah. <laughs> I, uh, I I I had a laugh about that. Yeah, if you want to if you want to you want to shut us out a little bit, John, that may that might be helpful. <laughs> 12 or 65 followers out there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we be we be balling with all these people. <laughs> mm-hmm. Anyway, just want to say that. Um but it was it's kind of funny to think though cuz like we had the the one director uh, comment on your twi- Twitter mm-hmm. about uh, I spending her grave, which is so freaking cool that that happened. Yeah, from from what I from what I hear, uh, Myers Archie himself probably doesn't run his Twitter, and that it's probably his son who did it. But still, that's still fucking cool. yeah, that's still fucking cool. I like it. I think that's even more cool that like his son's doing it and watching, listening to all these like this podcast that talk about the movie. Yeah. But yeah, watch out, guys. We're getting famous. <laughs> yeah, I, I I predict I predict we're going to average seventy five listens every week going okay. forward. So we might hit three digits mm-hmm. in the next five years. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we do have some podcasts that have that have played incredibly well, but um, it's few and far, and far between. So whatever. That works. That's what happens, though. Yeah. We just do this. We do this for fun. It's not like we do this for mm-hmm. anything. Anyways, um, back to the uh, the movie. The movie. Uh, you already know my opinion on this. This was on my top ten last year, or my top mm-hmm. ten of for the two thousand twenty one movies, twenty movies. Where it's first thing. time watches of the year last year. Yeah. Yes, twenty one, twenty one, mm-hmm. or twenty two right now. Twenty one. Anyway, um, uh. Okay, I love Tony Collette. I, I I always say this. I love her. I think she's fabulous. Um, everyone always laughs at me when I tell them that I didn't even know she had an accent for like the longest time. Because mm-hmm. uh, how was I supposed to know? It wasn't like it's not like she uses it a lot in in films. She's no. she's usually doing an American accent or something like that. So yeah, yeah, and the movies I had seen her in, I'd seen her in Little Miss Sunshine and um, Connie and Carla. Like, okay. Yeah. And then it was uh, In Her Shoes was when... No, it was In Her Shoes. I think it was Cutting Carla? No. Anyways, it doesn't matter. I was watching, like, the extras on one of the DVDs that I had. And I was like, what? What? That's <laughs> <She has laughs> an accent. Um, but, yeah, she's just this powerhouse. Like, when it comes to her in movies... And she plays all sorts of people, too. Like, she does... Uh, well, when she did um, United States of Terra or something, Terra? Yeah, yeah, yeah. When she did that, like it just kind of showed the versatility that she had, because that's not an easy thing to do. Like she developed all these characters to try and play, and she did them really well. Mm-hmm. So um, I have a really big appreciation for her. But anyways, uh, movie wise, yeah, she was she was crazy. She was awesome. Uh, I think the movie's really cool because. Um, at first, it plays with the idea that it could just be mental illness. Mm-hmm. So even the the dreams and um, the mother and the symbols and all that stuff, um, it could all play without mental illness. Like it all yeah. plays very innocently at first. Um, and also, um, when Charlie doesn't want to go to the party, or sorry, yeah, when Char- yeah when Charlie doesn't want to go to the party, and uh, the brother has to take her anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, 
it was such a turning point in the movie because I you didn't expect that I didn't expect Charlie to die so young because there was so much focus on Charlie in the movie that That's... you thought that she was um going to be a main character throughout like she was right. going to be a big part which in the end you realize that she is technically it's just mm -hmm. not the way we think it is yeah, it's yeah. a very uh, very psycho kind of move, right? Where they kill Janet Lee in like the first half of the film, when you expect her to be the main character throughout the entire film. Yeah. Yeah. So it's just, um, and just it, when you rewatch it, because when you first time watch, it's interesting, mm -hmm. and then the second time watch, when you know what's going to happen, you start paying attention to more of the smaller things. Uh, like one of my friends just told me today that on the the poll when they get into the accident, there's mm -hmm. that symbol that's on the pole. Right. I didn't notice that this time, but when she told me, I was like, oh, that's crazy. And mm -hmm. also I noticed when Joanne says, uh, and your son, when you do the ritual, I didn't catch that the first time either. And then you just kind of see these things that you didn't catch the first time round. Yeah. So it's one that every time you watch it, you kind of pick up a little bit more and you kind of see more. Oh, so oh, uh, yeah, all the hints are there, right? It, it's like um, it's like the Sixth Sense, actually. Like people say, there's no rewatch value in that movie once you get to the twist at the end of it. But it's like there, it's at very least good for another rewatch because there's plenty of clues dropped in that film that hint towards the twist. So the movie was ruined for me, and I never watched it. Okay. Yeah. It's worth it's worth watching though. It's good. I, will, I think I will watch it, but uh, yeah, it was ruined for me because uh, so many people talked about it and so many people said like spoilers about it. So when mm -hmm. I was like, oh, I guess there's no point in watching it. No, it's still creepy. It's not just it's not just a twist. It's not just a one gimmick kind of thing. So that's good. Then maybe I should watch it. Yeah. Um. Yeah. It's uh It's just a well done movie. It's I. Well developed movie because it is a slow burn. It's a very mm -hmm. very slow burn, yeah. and the music that they play uh, at the beginning and the music that they play throughout the thing it really keeps you captivated. Like it really keeps that that tension. Like you mm -hmm. kind of feel on the edge of your seat because you're like, this is a very uncomfortable kind of background music, and I'm I'm starting to get a little bit stressed out because I want to know what the fuck's going on. Just steal my notes because <laughs> you're hitting all my points here. <laughs> <laughs> I'll leave your comment about Tony Collette because I know that's one thing you want to talk about. So I'm going to leave that one. <laughs> um, but uh, so when you start noticing or when it starts getting more into the supernatural, mm -hmm. um, the fucking placement of that one naked guy in the closet. Oh, yeah. like you don't expect him to be there. There's no reason he should be there. He's just all of a sudden there. It makes sense. Obviously, at the end of the movie, it makes more sense. But mm -hmm. like, my it terrifies. Every time I fucking see it, it, terrifies me. It's not even like it does anything or jump scare or anything. Like that doesn't even fucking move. He's just Dude. there with a smile and he's naked. And he's in the fucking closet and it's dark and I don't know why he's there. And all this shit's did, did happening. You, do you recognize who he is too? No, I didn't. He's the uh, smiling blonde guy at the funeral who smiles at Charlie. He's oh, in the yeah. Fuck, I didn't notice that. Now I, that's gonna be another rewatch thing. There, there, there. If you watch the film, there's like cultists, not just like the ones that are obviously focused on that are staring across the street at at the kids. You know, yeah. There's there's other people in the background throughout the movie that appear at the house at the end of the movie. Oh, because mm. yeah, that's crazy. That's crazy. Yeah, now that mm -hmm. I know that, it makes me more enjoy it even more. I didn't even notice that. My, I'm not an observant person. <laughs> I just, but, I just noticed it 
this this watch tonight. I was like, wait a second, that's the. F-. It was the smile. It was like, where have I seen that smile before? I was like, oh, it's the fucking guy at the fucking funeral that was smiling. And it's like, okay, I get it. But yeah, and it's it's such a crazy story too. Like when mm-hmm. there's small things where um, Charlie said that uh, her grandmother wanted her to be a boy. Yeah, and again, Charlie dying so quickly. And um, the son going through freaking hell, Peter going through hell and back. Mm-hmm. Like, oh my God. And then that one scene with him where he like gets taken over, like completely, or yeah. I don't know if it's possessed or. Yeah, he is. He's, he becomes a, he becomes a vessel for the demon Payamon that they're all worshiping. When he's in the classroom. Yeah, I, th- I think, I think the idea. It's like, like a stronghold with a ghost or something or um i think i think the idea is that um this whole plan set in motion is set up by the grandmother and the cult to wear charlie down or not charlie peter down to the point where he's susceptible to being taken over by the demon uh-huh. it, because he's got a like they, they mentioned something about how like the host has to be like totally like mentally destroyed and emotionally destroyed before the demon can come in. So yeah. like that, this, this, everything put into place, all the people who die and everything is all just part of the plan to get him to where he needs to be for the demon to get into him. But it's the, um, that scene in the classroom where he like, uh-huh. it almost looks like a stroke, but it's like hand and his face and it slams against the, the, the desk, death. yeah. I think, yeah, I think there's like a struggle going on there, definitely. Um, like it, it's, it's, I think it's to show that the demon is starting to get control. Over? Yeah. Yeah, that. Uh, every time I watch that scene, it like makes me like cringe. Apparently, he wanted to do that for real. The actor, he wanted to like actually break his nose on the desk. He was so really? into, yeah he was so into the role he was like he was ready to do it and they're like no we're we'll just we'll do it with a prosthetic dude don't you know like this don't <laughs> can you imagine mm. fuck that'd be terrifying um i also i really appreciate the night to day scenes or day to night mm-hmm. scenes where it's just like yeah it just yeah it wasn't yeah. a smooth transition or anything it was just boom done i was like oh i like that i like that mm-hmm. i don't know why i didn't notice the first time i watched it but second time i noticed there was a couple times where i just like quickly did it and because of how this movie is so just uh the second half is so just sporadic and fucking um stressful mm-hmm. i just really enjoyed that yeah um like you mentioned like right from the start the uh, the score is immediately unnerving like you know, they're getting ready for a funeral. So even starting there, it's like, okay, that's depressing. That's going to be, that's going to be a, a sad thing. But then the score is like, especially unnerving and full attention. And as that's playing, you see the strange people in the background. You see this like hinted at unspoken family tension from something. You don't know what it is, but you can tell like all the family members are, there's a distance between them. Um, and you just get a sense that something's really fucking wrong. Like the, the funeral feels cold, even for a fucking funeral. Yeah. Um, it's, it's very, very effectively done. Um, and I mean, it, the, the biggest thing here is um, it didn't need to be supernatural. 
Yeah. But, that, but because deep down, it's just a family drama, right? Like it's a really yeah. horrific family drama, but you put the supernatural stuff on top of that or in the background, really. And it's just kind of rubbing your nose in it a little bit more and making it worse because you watch this family and they are fucked from the beginning. Like they are guided by forces that don't, and they don't realize it until it's too late. And like, there's all these hints, like there's these philosophical discussions in the class and stuff about free will and shit like that. There's all these hints throughout the film. It's like, Oh, you, you know, free will, you don't have it. Um, and they don't have any control over their lives. Right. Like they're every time you rewatch this now, at least for me, like uh, it's just reinforced because you pick out more cult members in the background. You pick out like the runes and the symbols, and the symbols that just pop up. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And the and incantations the- written on the walls. Do you see those words written on the walls in the house? Where? When? Um, they're, they're in, co- in a couple of the bedrooms. There's like, there's shots that focus on like, just words written on the walls, like in Latin words and stuff. Ah. Like there's a whole like incantation in the house uh, spread around. Yeah. Uh, So like, and there's all these foreshadowings of shit that's going to happen. Like there's all this decapitation imagery, you know, and, and the stuff Charlie is doing, it makes more sense when we get to the end of the film and we discover that she was already possessed by the demon to some extent. And he, and the demon prefers a male vessel, right? But they got so desperate to get their, um, this demon, a vessel that they put it in Charlie for the, for the meantime, until they could get Peter ready to actually, uh, uh, take the demon. So Charlie is actually kind of being, it's kind of Charlie's kind of there, but she's also being controlled by the demon and doing things in service of like the, the ritual they're going to do. And even if, even though she doesn't know she's doing it necessarily. So you can, so you can argue that the demon, like, you know, she's, she's allergic to like nuts and stuff, right? She's got a nut Mm -hmm. allergy. So she doesn't have her EpiPen with her when he takes her to the party and she starts eating the, um, the with the, the yeah the chocolate cake or whatever and she would know not to do that but there's other things kind of influencing her to do that and uh there's all that bird imagery surrounding her and there's like direct bird imagery that's connected to the demon uh she makes that bird clucking noise all the time that really unsettling noise <laughs> where yeah she's just was- like yeah, that's because um, when she's stressed out, she has an inability to handle emotions. So mm-hmm. I ended up Googling it because I wanted to know. And the reason why they did that was because uh, they uh, Tony Collette had mentioned that she never cried. Mm-hmm. And uh, even when she was born, she never cried. And yeah. the reason is because there's emotion in there that she's unable to express. So she's a clicking noise. It's a like it's a tick. Mm-hmm. And I thought that was... Um, when I googled it and Tony Collette had mentioned that, I was like, oh, oh, that's pretty cool because that's kind of like, uh, now I see how that works. Like, now I see how that's related. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because she's she's got a conflict going in, inside of her. Like, it, it's her personality, and then there's that other personality in there that she doesn't understand is like influencing her and 
cutting things off in her brain, probably. And the fact that they're always in the attic, like she always goes to the attic. Mm hmm. Because she's always sleeping in the attic. Well, no, the uh, treehouse is, is the where tree she house, goes. Sorry, the treehouse, yeah, yeah. not the attic. But yeah, the treehouse. Mm hmm. So she's always going to the treehouse, and at the end, everything happens at the treehouse. So it kind of like they, makes sense. They even have uh, cult guys fucking. Uh, camping out in the treehouse and like spying on Peter during the night and shit too. Like you notice that, right? Yeah. Um, and I think, I think one of them is supposed to be, I think one of the cultists ends up even being like one of Peter's uh, friends that he smokes pot with in school and shit too. I think if I, if I wasn't mistaken, I think I spotted one. Man, it's funny. Cause I watched it and I paid a lot more attention this time around. Uh-huh. Cause I noticed more, but now it's like, now I have to watch it again. <laughs> to watch more of the details. It, you know what? It kind of reminds me of um, Donnie Darko. Like, mm-hmm. The more you watch it, the more you kind of like unravel, the more you kind of see in the background. Right. And things that you missed the first time around. Because obviously the first time you watch it, you just see like the story itself. And I was mm. talking to my friend because my friend said that she wasn't a fan of this movie. But she did really appreciate that every time you watch the movie, there's more and more to see. And uh, that's that's something that like the first time I watched it, I didn't obviously could not tell you that. But mm-hmm. uh, second time round, I'm seeing that because this is my second time watch, and I'm seeing that I'm seeing that there's more to see and there's more to pick out and there's more to like understand, and uh, it's it's really cool how it just I don't know, it's just really cool how it just has this like build up to it, um, and there's a bigger understanding every time you watch it. Yeah, yeah. Um... I mean, just going into Tony Collette here, her performance, like, of course, she didn't, everyone sort of was outraged she didn't win any awards for this, which I'd be outraged too, because, you know, even though the awards are kind of bullshit, they're, they still mean a lot uh, in, in some regard. And, you know, at, at least as recognition for, like, how fucking good she is in this film. She should have got Best Actress, because she has that tension and that, stress and that stuff she's balling up inside is just like ready to shake out of her like she's her nerves are just like just fucking fried at all times and it it made me think like if is is she method acting here like is she actually putting herself through this shit because it's so convincing that it's like I, yes. I, I, I can't she help. She had a child and had their head lobbed off and left in the car. <laughs> well, I would expect her to go that far, but I mean, to get yourself into the kind of mental state that the that, panic attacks that she mm-hmm. has, the freakouts, like the, uh, the, the, the see your face, look at your face, and like just that stuttering, yeah, like stress, like that, yeah, the face on your face, like. You know, people, you, a person would say shit like that if they're freaking out and then they're not really thinking about what they're saying. They're, See that face on your fucking face or whatever. Yeah. That, I'm surprised. That's, okay. I'm going to say this right now. I'm really surprised you haven't talked about Tony Clitt's scream. I was going to get to it. I was, okay. I was about to. Um, okay. So it's, it's probably the signature fucking moment in the film, honestly, for me. It's so it's beautifully a, it's done. It's a turning point. Yeah. It's, it's horrific and beautifully done at the same time. So. Um, I think everybody sh- should know by now that, uh, you know, Charlie, she gets her head lopped off by a telephone pole uh, when she's sticking her head. Mm-hmm. And Peter comes back with the body, the headless body in the car, leaves it in the car and goes to bed in shock and doesn't say anything. 
but he hears his parents getting up in the morning and get ready for work and stuff like that. And the shot is focused on Peter's face laying in bed, just never sleeping, never sleeping. And we hear Tony Collette getting ready for work to go downstairs to get to, get to the car. And we hear her discover the decapitated body, the headless body. They do it so well. Like they have the, mm-hmm. the car keys and the door opening and closing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's so good. It's a great sound design. You don't see anything. Mm-hmm. You just see Peter's face laying in the bed the whole time, the whole time this is going on. But at the same time, just the guttural howling fucking pain that she lets out when she discovers the body. Um, you can see, you can see her in your, in your head, like exactly yeah. how she'd look like you're she's picturing what's happening mm-hmm. right now. You're like, Oh, she got into the front seat and, uh, she, <sighs> yeah. Opened the door, got in the front seat. Didn't realize, didn't see anything. All of a sudden like catches her eye. And then you like, no, she opened that door again. Yep. And then, you know, she saw the body and Jen, and then we get one, you know, shot that lasts lingers longer than I thought it was going to, too, of Charlie's head laying on the side of the road with ants crawling over it. And it's just like Ari Aster, just like rubbing your nose in it a little bit more. It's like here, you just saw the most, you just experienced the most horrific part of this movie. Let's throw a little extra in there just to fuck with you. <laughs> oh my God. Mm. It's, I don't even get it. Like there is like pain and fear and anger and everything in that fucking scream. Mm-hmm. Like that was a scream that like made your fucking blood just ugh. like you it's could not, feel it's, it. Yeah, it's it's not comfortable. The like no, and then we, you, we, could, you could feel the tears in your eyes. Just mm, like, ugh. We, we like we mentioned, you know. We love this film, but it's it's hard to watch. That's that's one of the spots where it gets super hard to watch. Yep. And and then going from that to the to like the dinner scene that you yep. heard at the beginning after of the finding, podcast. Finding out, mm-hmm. After finding out that she had a uh, slept walk and thrown lighter fluid all over her son mm-hmm. and had um, lit a match, which woke her up. Yeah. Um, and her son freaking out so we heard that story that he was she was telling joanne after that story yeah we have that dinner and it just makes it extra like the tense is you find, yeah you, you finally get why there's so much tension in this family because that comes out and it's like oh shit yeah the, there's no fucking kidding this kid has like a a, a real like distance between him and his mother after that, no like, how could you ever trust her such a shock state Mm-hmm. Because he just killed his sister, yeah, and uh, his mother—he had this—he has this memory in his mind of his mother trying to murder him. So, and it, like, and and it makes once we get more revelation further on in the film of what's really going on too, it makes sense why she was trying to murder him in her sleep. Like there was some sort of deep down knowledge she had that he was a target to be possessed by this demon and she was probably trying to save his ass in some weird twisted way like from being possessed um because they also mention that she had a brother who uh, committed suicide who was diagnosed schizophrenic because he was you know 
constantly saying that mom was trying to put people in me. And he was originally supposed to be the, the, fir- the first host for um, Payamon. And that failed. That's why they had to go with the makeshift host in, um, in Charlie. And then eventually get Peter to the point where he would become the, the real host. The breaking point. Mm. Yeah. yeah. And so, like, you know, Tony Collette's performance is fucking great. I, I think Stellar. it's I think it's awesome the way so, some of her inner pain and stuff is revealed to in her miniature making, where, like, that's the only real control she has in her life is with her miniatures. Like, she has no sort of control anywhere else. And even then, the miniatures kind of are Take just... Over. Yeah, they're kind of showing the shit that is is going on like all the bad stuff that's going on inside of her com- comes becomes reflected in the miniatures like she eventually does like a miniature diorama thing of the accident with with Charlie with the decapitated head and everything which is fucked up when when, when fucking the father when Gabriel Byrne fucking sees that he's like oh my fuck I got to I got to do something. I got to get here. I got to get this, this fucking shit figured out. Everybody's character in this movie, like from uh, Charlie to Peter to um, Annie Mm -hmm. to the father. Yes. Steve. Steve. um, All of them. Their acting was brilliant. I thought this, this is one of those movies where if the acting was poor, it could become really cheesy really quick. Yeah. And all of them were so freaking stellar. Like, um, Charlie's like basically the first one that we really see. And the clicky noises she makes is the mix makes is makes mm-hmm. the faces, the reactions, everything. Like even her like stutter, like she, how she gets startled really quick. Like it's really mm-hmm. good. Cause she, you could tell she goes out of focus. Like she just yeah. is hyper focusing on something. And her startled face is like exactly the face I would make. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. It's just so good. And then uh, Peter, like uh, his the where he's having a panic attack, and he's trying to say he has a reaction to weed, but realistically, he's having a panic attack. Like he's he's freaking out, mm-hmm. and he's just like sobbing, crying, and the crying just sounds like because you know how they tend to make um, male cries sound more masculine. Like that's the yeah. Best this one was literally like someone who was in pain and showing it. And it was like, high cries like sobbing, like cries, like a little kid. Yeah. Like painful sobbing, like, mm-hmm. um, like unable to breathe. Uh, and then goes to his friends, hold my hand. And he just starts like freaking out. Um, yeah, that was all really good. Then the one scene where it was, uh, Tony Clitt's dream, three mm-hmm. dream. And Peter's in the bed and he's like, mommy, why are you doing this? And it's just so effective as showing him just becoming like weaker, mm-hmm. like in the dream. And then when he's in the attic and he's panicking, he calls her mommy again, yeah. it's showing like that weakness of like the fear, this, the, the give, like the, the, the vulnerability, the everything. Um, and the father who doesn't have much to play in this part, but you could see the, he's trying to be strong, but he's so weak. Yeah, he's he's repressing it all, and like he's not he's not sharing stuff with uh, with Annie that he probably should share. You know that even but but he thinks he's protecting her when he doesn't mention the desecration of their mother's grave and yeah yeah and and like and and like you said, this all could be mental illness, right? 
And right up until the moment Steve dies, he's just convinced that it's Annie's mental illness that's doing all this shit. Yeah. He's convinced that she dug up her own mother. Yeah. And and put the body up in the fucking uh, attic. So yeah. So you get like you get the two points of view, right? You get the uh, the more rational, grounded in re- reality. Like my family is fucking crazy, and I gotta try to fix this thing and then you got the supernatural shit which is obviously actually happening in the film so yeah it's um yeah it's 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 even joy okay joanne joanne oh mm-hmm. she did so good in this movie oh my god uh she plays the biggest like fucking sweetheart mm-hmm. who's like kind and gonna help you and ends up being the absolute like antagonist of the movie like the yeah. antagonist of the movie where she, she destroys bas- the family yeah she basically I, I think basically she takes over the cult for Annie's mother after she dies like she's kind of like the second in command who, who yeah. takes over the mantle so she's setting all this stuff in place like eventually we get to the point where we see a shot of her house where she's not there and Annie's trying to like knock on the door and get in and like the whole ritual's been done and you see those little weird toys that Charlie was making and you see the the heads of the animals that she cut off and you see oh shit it was all for this ritual and it's been done it's already happened it's um, a well-fabricated movie because mm-hmm. this could have been really messy it could have uh, missed a lot of points it could have um, had a lot of uh, you gotta suspend disbelief type moments yeah. where like oh yeah how I gotta make more sense in my mind that this part's missing no I thought uh, the structure of it was in uh, incredibly well done like it was entirely um, uh, just so put together in such a fashion that even though there's a lot of complexities to this movie, you can still follow along nicely. And yeah. even with that, with rewatching, you just recognize more and more to the movie. So like you, who's watched it more than me is noticing more. Well, I just watched the second time and I'm finding out more mm-hmm. and I want to watch it again because I want to see these things. And it's just totally, even though it's like, again, that scream, that face, like those moments, um, where Peter's in the attic and Annie's like on the ceiling banging her head. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. god. And again, that fucking smiling dude in the closet. It gets me every <laughs> time because, because um there's no reason. There's no reason she should be there. Why is he yeah. there? Why is there this guy? And like and even Peter sees it. He's just like you can see the shock and he's like, he's not coming after what's going on. What the fuck is yeah, he, he can't like, even deal with it. He's just like, what? Like <laughs> It's like, what would you do, too? There's a naked, smiling yeah. guy in the closet, not moving. That's smile. Anyways, that yeah. got, that was one of the parts where I was still, still shocked. It still fucking creeps me out. There's just so much to this movie. It's so, it's, re, it's a, a movie you can watch time and time again, and you'll see something different to it. It's well laid out. It's visually beautiful. It's mm-hmm. the editing's fucking so clever. Like I said, the dark light was really good. The music is just perfectly suspenseful to the point where the end, it just gets stressful. And like, you're on this uh, trip where you're like freaking out. Yeah. Like that um, disorienting move music at the end when he's in the attic, like it's so out of tune and fucked up. And mm-hmm. he sees all the bodies and everything's like slowly making sense of like seeing things and what's going on. And then you hear what happened at the end. Yeah. That music like gives you fucking goosebumps. Yeah, I uh, totally agree. And 
the super like you're, you're right it's the acting that really holds holds it together and makes it not silly at the end because there is a lot of batshit stuff that happens and like mm-hmm. it could have it could have just like descended into kind of b movie silliness and, and nonsense but the fact that you followed these these characters throughout the whole thing and you see how stressed out and horrified and broken down they are when they finally encounter the supernatural shit and it you're right there with them. You're like, okay, this, this is effective. I, I oh. get what they're, cause I mean, fucking Peter, he sees his charred up father on laying on the ground. Yeah. And then the next thing he sees is that smiling naked guy in the fucking closet. <laughs> it's like, I, I, I don't blame him for just freezing and not like even yelling or anything. It's just, I, I would be like shock. Mm-hmm. Like you just literally like discovered the most horrific thing of a family member after what not even that long ago you mm-hmm. lobbed the head off your fucking sister. Yeah, and then later and- on you you get to see your mother ch- chop her own head off of piano wire. That's that fucked up. face that she does. Holy fuck! Mm. Oh god. Um. To- okay, so when that moment of the switch on Tony Collette when she goes from like good to evil. Mm-hmm. I, it's the best way to describe it for me. I don't know if that's actually true, but that's, well, yeah, she gets possessed. So, yeah, so her moment of complete done, where she just watches her husband burn, where she was like willing to sacrifice herself and throw the book in the fire, mm-hmm. thinking her husband would be safe. Yeah, and her husband just in front of her, and that peak moment of despair, anger, freak out. Uh, terrified, whatever. Like you could see, she was literally the limit of every single emotion possible. Like her, her, her bandwidth was done. She had nothing mm-hmm. left. It was entirely used up, wasted, gone. And that's the moment it turned. And the face. Okay, her. This is what should have won her in general. I don't know if it was like two takes, but the fact to do that to go from petrified to like evil in mm-hmm. two seconds, like just that quick turnaround not even like a, a fucking flash moment her face is so expressive like ah. she's she's a very she in this movie especially she's very angular and like sinewy and stuff like she's very thin and like her face is all just lines like hard lines and stuff so when she does the switch on her face it's like it's almost like someone all of a sudden just like rearranged her face like a rubik's cube or something you know it's like it's very very abrupt and very I don't even know how to say it. It's it's fucking amazing though. Like just, it's, it's so good. She's just so aware of her facial expressions. Mm-hmm. She understands what she's supposed to do when they tell her here, make the space, because her expressions are so on point. And in this movie, they because usually they always say like, don't be over the top when it comes to mm-hmm. filming. This was had to be over the top. This had to be like extreme. The moment her mother died, the somber like doll like no emotion saying oh i don't really feel anything for my mom and the note that she gets from her mom saying like you'll thank me later yeah <laughs> then the child dying where she's in the bedroom and she's like panic attack and the the shaking the body the crying everything mm-hmm. and then the freak out on her son where his anger and then where the sadness happens when uh she's in the bedroom having that dream where her face is sad because and freaked out because like she's burning her child mm-hmm. and then like that change between the horrified terrified sad freaking out psychotic fucking crying to the psychotic evil 
<laughs> yeah. And it just goes to show how fucking evil her mother was too, right? Because her mother set all this in motion and like set her up to be broken down. And it's and um it's it's, it's very fucked up. It's it's just like and her mother looks like this cute old grandmother like yeah she kind of cute old lady kind of reminds me of my mom you know like yeah it wouldn't 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 hurt to fly perfectly nice woman and yeah. like and no she, she has like the the white dress on and the flowers around her she looks so happy and pleasant yeah. and nice when like, realizing it's like a rich coin <laughs> i guess like I'm, I'm guessing she's supposed to be sort of like technically a bride of the demon or something like that to some extent and fucking like and the demon has this fetish for chopped off heads like even the picture of him in the book he's got like a bunch of heads like attached to his belt or whatever when he's riding that camel or whatever the fuck um and then you notice like everybody's getting their fucking head lopped off in this film uh, and all, yeah and the bird and the animals and stuff so like he's got a real he's got a real thing for you know headless, headless. bodies headless mm. soldiers headless type okay um the mother and the grandmother in um, the bowing position, mm-hmm. kneeling position, in front of the altar. Yeah, yeah. No, and it I just mean- happened. Okay, what was cool too? Okay, what I fucking love about this movie is that the small things they do in the background with sound. Because when Tony Collette's lying off her head, um, you don't see it. You just see her and the blood yeah. spurting out, right? Yeah. And you don't see it. You just he runs away. He jumps out of the window. He goes into the uh, the treehouse, and or why? He's sorry. He jumps out of the the attic. Mm-hmm. ends up in the garden and then you hear the sawing go faster and then you hear the head drop mm-hmm. you don't ever see it but the effectiveness even though it's not seeing the head fall off you hear it mm-hmm. and it's the same with Tony Collette's scream in the yeah. car Yeah. when she discovers the body with no head and you see the head afterwards, that perfectly describes the scream that you see, like the horrified reaction, even though she just saw body, not the ants, but like just that. It's the use of sound, the use of music, the use of everything is so fucking well done. I understand why my my prof used this as one of the movies for like Mm -hmm. our movie class, our horror movie class, because it's like just a movie in general, even if it wasn't a horror movie, the use of sound, the use of color, the use of music, the use of like angles, the use of like lines, all mm-hmm. of that entirely effective. And then the fact that they made a, a horror movie that is not a shitty ending. Like it's not a cheesy fucking ending where you're like, Oh, that ruined the whole movie. Mm-hmm. And again, the acting and everything, like it was just all around brilliantly done. I fucking love it. I think it's awesome. Movie. Yeah. Uh, you'll get no disagreement from me here. Um, I'd, I'd, I'd maybe I'd maybe say you know in the movie could knock a few minutes off the running time like it's two two hours seven minutes but still at the same time I don't find it too long it's just I, yeah. I think I think it could have been just effect, just as effective um, if they had knocked like I don't know fifteen minutes twenty minutes off it there, there's That's stuff bad. they didn't there's stuff they didn't necessarily need but I mean it's still incredibly effective the whole way through like I don't feel like it drags or anything no like that, I don't so. think so either and. Uh, this is one of the movies too. Like there is a slow burn, and I have a, a short attention span. Mm. Well, I need something to. Yeah, focus. yeah, you, you I of still... all people, fucking yeah. Th- this is of slowest of slow burns, and you're just like on your edge, on the edge, watching it. So yeah, it was it was interesting. I loved it. I thought it was, um, 
I, I love to talk about Tony Collette all the time, but mm-hmm. I'm going to give a kudos to all of the actors because um, the doing the father's part is not easy because he had to play the, the toned down mellow person who mm-hmm. you could see was dying inside, but played strong. And you yeah. see that like when he talks to her at the end and when everything happens, all of that Peter who starts off being like the brother, whatever, like didn't realize what was going on with his mother. Yeah. But then you start seeing him break down and all that stuff. And then um, Charlie, who perfectly plays this like ang- anxious, anxiety-ridden person who has no idea what the fuck's going on, mm-hmm. who has all this shit going on. Like, oh, yeah, it's – and jo- like I said, Joanne, all those people, like all the main people, mm-hmm. um, the people – the minor characters um, – whether or not they did a good job, I couldn't tell you because <laughs> I was too focused on the main actors. <laughs> yeah, they they all they all fit their place, right? Like this is such a clockwork, like precise you know love, movie. You know what I love too? Um, doing the auditions. I'm pretty sure the director did not give a fuck of what he was looking for uh, on a a physical level. No, no, yeah, all these naked people in this movie. No, I just mean think about um, the family. Mm-hmm. None of them look alike. None no, of they them. don't. <laughs> They're very distinctive. I understand with uh, Charlie, it's a bit different because, like, the actress herself has a condition. Mm-hmm. But even Tony Collette and her husband, I don't know. It visually, it didn't seem like a pair that I would like expect. Yeah. For whatever reason, and then obviously the son. He looks like I don't know what his background is, but he looks like maybe slightly Middle Easternish or something. He's not white that's, that's yeah. all it is and they're both white parents and uh even though you see that like you could there's just just such a difference in all of the the people the only thing uh i wish i wish they just let tony just have her accent that's the only thing <laughs> <laughs> that's the only thing about me, okay it's just a small thing for me because i realize that she's not like the year it's been years now that i figured this out but there's a not like there's so many parts she plays where I'm like, why don't you just let her have an accent? Why not? Like it makes no fucking difference in the movie. Uh, I don't know. But um, I mean, her American accent's stupidly fucking good. Yeah, I mean she's I mean she's that convincing where you didn't know. So, <laughs> um, budget for this was ten million. Got eighty million in the box office and uh, home video and streaming and stuff on top of that, probably even more. So uh, this did very very well. Uh, you can find it on DVD, 4K Blu-ray, Blu-ray, iTunes, Google Play, Microsoft, Amazon Prime, Vudu, all the places. And uh, a little bit of trivia here. Um, so Ari Aster had originally written this film to be a straight-up family drama, dealing with the grief and loss one experiences with the death of close family members. But Aster saw the potential of turning the film into a horror story and rewrote the script to what it is now. Um, had this remained a family drama, Midsummer would have been his first horror movie, as he initially oh, intended it to very be. Cool. So, yeah. So I have not seen Midsummer yet. I do want to see it. I started watching it like the first half hour, and then unfortunately mm-hmm. fell asleep, and I have not gotten back to it yet. That one definitely, I'd, I'd say, doesn't have the tension that keeps you on on edge like this film does. So you might have a bit more trouble with that one because that one is a slow burn too. So oh, okay. Well, but you know, maybe we'll. Uh, watch it some night or something and who knows just keep me entertained <laughs> yeah I, I'll, I'll you know i'll be my usual chatty entertaining self right yeah <laughs> um 
the producer said that it worked out well that Gabriel Byrne and Alex Wolf had worked together and Alex and Millie uh, Shapiro knew each other from school because it made Tony Collette the outsider, which mirrored Annie's character and feelings of alienation within her own family. So I, I guess they had an initial good lucky dynamic dynamic there. Um, uh, the very first decapitation scene is similar to a real-life event in Marietta, Georgia in 2004. A young man and his friend drove home very drunk after a party. The passengers felt he was going to be sick and stuck his head out the window in case he needed to throw up. While the driver, <sighs> while the driver accidentally swerved near a pole, the pole's, uh, the pole's uh, guy wire decapitated the passenger. Uh, the drunk driver was so drunk he did not realize his friend was decapitated and continued to drive home, park in his parents' driveway with his decapitated friend in the car and go inside to sleep for the night. <gasps> that's so, oh, that's so cool. Oh, okay, that is horrific that it happened. Mm-hmm. It's so cool that he took that and made it to that because that's like that's a true story. Yeah, who knows? Whoa. I'll have to look that's, more into that because I just took that from IMDb, so anyone can write any shit there, but you know. That's if, true, but, but I, I feel like that would be a very hard thing to lie about. Like, yeah. Clever, clever. If it is a lie, clever. Mm-hmm. But yeah, that that's that's a fucked up story. That's uh, that's such a fucked up story because mm-hmm. that's the only thing um, I did have a harder time with because when he swerved and the sister's head got lobbed off, it was the pole that did it. Mm-hmm. And um, I know her head was out, but there was no way there wouldn't be damage on the car. Yeah, yeah. So that's that's one of the things but obviously because of the scene itself like how horrific it was you kind of like didn't even consider it mm-hmm. it's not till later when you're thinking like oh yeah that could have happened <laughs> mm. and at the end when the life-size figurine of the demon Piamon is shown the fingers of his right hand are positioned in a way that jesus is often portrayed as doing in medieval paintings pointer finger and middle finger out and together and other yeah. two fingers curled in a fist and thumb parallel but slightly curved but on Piamon, he's holding it upside down. The medieval and ancient hand gesture is used as a representation of Jesus. So like crosses being inverted, Piamon is using this to disrespect Jesus. Also, Piamon is wearing a halo with rays coming out of it like a sun. This halo has been seen in depictions of Jesus, thus meaning those worshipping Piamon believe he is the true savior. So Very cool. Yeah. Very cool. That's uh, the it, thing. Okay. Yeah, sorry. It's a little small thing, but that's the thing. This movie had such an attention to detail. Mm-hmm. And then it's and it's cool. And it's cool that he decided like I'm not just going to use the devil. I'm I'm going to pick like some obscure demon from the Bible or book of king mm-hmm. book or whatever, you know. There was a lot of thought and creativity in this one. Yeah, and you know, also it's not a it's not a stupid like Christian religious horror movie like fucking exorcist or some bullshit <laughs> like that you know like it's, it's it just uses it and uses it like a real uses a real demon but doesn't you know go down the lunacy of that nonsense funny uh funny story today i was looking for a halloween shirt because i have a uh, nightmare sheet, which um not a huge fan of a movie but i figured it'd be a good halloween shirt to wear mm-hmm. couldn't find it and i was wearing my chainsaw massacre shirt and i was like okay go. yeah this is a good one um but it's less halloweeny Mm-hmm. It's more just horror movie. And then I found my Exorcist shirt. <laughs> <And I'm> like, <laughs> ah, I ended up finding my Goosebumps shirt, which I'm wearing. Oh, there, there you go. So I was like, this is the best pick about all of them. So I'm very yeah. happy I found this one. Um, <laughs> but yeah, Exorcist was there. And I could have worn it. 
I was done like, it. I just can't do it. I can't do it for Halloween. I can't respect a movie like that. When I wear it, I know people ask about it, and I always tell them it's because it's a shit movie, and I wear it sarcastically. <laughs> for Halloween, I could not do it. <laughs> Day before yeah, Halloween, yeah. I could not do it. <laughs> Smart move. Yep. Um, yeah, so next time, you have a uh, thought for where we're going to go uh, forward for the next yeah. uh, few episodes. Probably, we'll probably do this till like the end of the year. Honestly, we'll just, uh, we'll just run out the rest of the year doing this. I think it would be fun. So uh, let the people know what your idea was. So I have this idea where uh, whatever movie we watch, we have to pick an actor uh, from the movie and pick one of their movies that they have done so that there's like a, a trend in the movies that we watched previously. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously it can be like a minor role or a major role, but it has to be somebody in the movie and I guess we'll take a turns. I'll pick one yeah. the other. Yeah. So, um, yeah. So we'll pick next week's movie based on, I guess we could do it on this week's movie and kind of go from there. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah. Okay. So I'll think of something. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. Uh, and we're you know we'll, we'll we'll see if we can surprise each other with some interesting picks and yeah. But yeah, the whole idea is to pick uh, someone from the movie and bring it on to the next movie. I guess we could take directors as well if you want to really do. If you found something that a director did that was really interesting, okay. I would uh, accept that as well. But I would prefer actors. Yeah, we'll we'll keep it actors, and I mean just looking at. Like the cast here for for this one, there's really only like two people here. I'm I'm only I'm potentially only going to pick from anyway when it comes to their because the, the cast in this one's pretty limited. There's a lot of people in here who only did like two movies or something yeah. like that. So, but um, I know there's some Gabriel Byrne stuff I could pick that we might have fun with. Then so, there's Tony Collette stuff that would be fun too. Yeah, we've done we've done a lot of Tony Collette though. That's true. Um, I'm I'm not going to let you get spoiled by Tony. Collette okay, that's okay. But, um, but yeah, that's that's what I mean. If we get up a movie, we're stuck with like there's not a lot of actors. Then maybe we can accept director. It's yeah. So hard. But other than that, actor for the previous movie has to be in the next one. That's what we're gonna do. That's what we're yep. gonna do. Um, there's something else on my mind. I thought I was gonna mention. I. Oh yeah, okay. You'll you'll probably see this if if you're like subscribed to us on iTunes or whatever. Probably already would download it on the same day you hear this. But uh, Lee Van Teese annual Halloween show that's Ooh. dropping on Halloween with this show. So if you download us from other means, you know, just check out our our feeds or whatever on whatever sort of pod catcher you grab us from, and um, make sure you download that too. You gave me the show two hours of can uh, perfect. Yeah, that's pretty good. Uh, if I do say so myself, you know, I, I don't like leaving teeth all that much, but he puts on a good show. So, you know, <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, happy Halloween, everybody. And we will see you again when we see you. Uh, Lady Lee, tell people where they can find you on the uh, interwebs. Uh, you can find me at Miney Tiny Ulster on Instagram. I will post all the updated stuff on our podcast on my Instagram and feel free to comment any suggestions for future movies. And obviously, happy Halloween. Mm-hmm. Enjoy and your candy eating, costume making, brilliance and pumpkin carving moments. Yes. And uh, we, we, we wish you all uh, very slutty costumes. Uh, that- Absolutely. That don't set it up or get creative. Do whatever the fuck you want to do. It's Halloween. Let your inner horror, inner create, 
or whatever. Who cares? Have fun. Men, men and women, you know, whatever. Yeah, uh, both of you. you. Be sluts. Yeah, do it. Yeah. Uh, and you can find uh, us two sluts in our other episodes on tmbdos.podbean.com where you can find uh, all that shit, all the links to the relevant shit. Go to nice. They Must Be Destroyed on site on Facebook. And until next time, goodbye. Listening to TMB DOS. They must be destroyed on site. For further episodes of this podcast, please go to tmbdos.podbean.com. We're also on Apple Podcasts and pretty much any podcatcher that you can find. Thank you. Drive through.